just diving right in. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> we are, and let me get my, get my stopwatch going, because otherwise my wife tries to wave at me and it gets distracting, so there we go. Sorry, I'll get there, guys. I'll get there. Apologize. So we're continuing with our um, series through John, and it's also a series where we're paralleling our testimonies, um, and so I'm going to dive right into my testimony. I call it my testimony, but it's also it's a testimony of my life because there are many, uh, and I believe that we should have current testimonies as well. Uh, we should have a testimony from yesterday and this morning, and so that's the God I believe in. Um, and also, really, I'm saying it's my testimony, but this is actually God's testimony. Um, this is directly because of Him, and uh, it's despite me, despite me, and you'll see why. So I was born in a very stable Christian home. Um, my wife is often very surprised at how stable my home was. Uh, she can't believe that a home can be like that. Um, but I remember my parents being very involved in our local church. Um, and so a lot of my childhood, I remember uh, seeing the underside of a pew because I had my toys and I was playing with my toys during church or during a prayer uh, meeting or whatever the case was and underneath couches as well and sleeping in all sorts of different beds, um, not in a bad way, but because we were at different houses for home groups and all of that. And so church was very much a part of my upbringing. It was ingrained in me, not only church, but a knowledge of God. And so God's presence was always with me. I always knew about him. We always prayed. And that's the home that I grew up in. We went to a church camp down the south coast, um, and the church had invited a prophet to come in and speak uh, to us for the weekend and prophesy over the church. And so I was 12 or 13 years old at the time, and I really wanted a word from God. I knew about God. I had the head knowledge of who he was, but I wanted to experience God for myself. And so I put my hand up, and the man prophesied over my life. He said, He's got, God's got great plans for you. And that's where the spark of ministry really hit me um, from the Lord. I also was baptized in the Holy Spirit at that camp, and my entire life changed. My mindset changed, and I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ instead of just the faith of my mom and dad. And so I walked a walk, a very intense and short walk with Jesus at the time. I got involved in the church. I started playing drums, and I used to go... In the evenings, my dad used to drop me off and I used to start learning to play the drums because I wanted to be in the worship team. I gave my testimony in church and it was a great time for me. I remember how amazing I felt because the Holy Spirit was in me and I knew I was God's guy. Then, so that was quite short-lived. Then the high school years came and so I went to DHS Durban High School which is a massive boys high school just filled with testosterone, 1,200 boys and you are not sheltered in your little grades like some schools are now. You are exposed to the big boys. And so I remember what a shock it was coming from my little town uh, school, local school, and I was very much the guy there. I, I had accomplished a few things at the primary school I was at. So I came in and I saw and heard these massive voices speaking into my life all of a sudden. And seeing things and hearing things that you can imagine only go down in a boys' high school. So my eyes were opened, and I was very much uh, aware of how little I knew about the world, 
um, and worldly things, and so it was this complete new experience for me. High school teaches you a lot of things about yourself, a lot of bad things, um, but also some good things. And one good thing that came out of my high school years that I learned very quickly when I was in high school was that I had a knack for art. Believe it or not, you might not have known that about me. Um, but I, I am actually relatively artistic, not as much as my dear wife, but I am, you know, I, I get by. And uh, so I got the art prize for grade eight. So the whole grade, 200 boys, I got the art prize. I was honestly as surprised as anybody else. I was, I, I was like, what? I got this letter saying, your son's been invited to the prize giving. I'm like, okay, that's nice. Literally in the prize giving, I have no idea why I'm there. And they call me up for the, for the, the annual art prize. So anyway, so art became my thing. And art became sort of an outlet for me. Teenage years, testosterone, hormones going on, identity years. Art became an outlet for me and an excuse for me to look into the things of the world. So we had art theory and we had art, art prac. Uh, we had two wonderful art teachers. And art theory let us look into the lives of artists. And they are not the best role models, really, to go by, okay? Some chopping off their ears and, you know. Um, so I was looking, I was fascinated by this life that the artists led. Andy Warhol, Picasso, all the, all the big guys. And so I started to really entertain this, this lifestyle, the artistic lifestyle. And so these two teachers uh, that I had, I really looked up to. Um, and so a few of the art guys used to get together at break. We started getting together at break to bunk war cry practice. I don't know if you know what that is, but really it's compulsory war cry practice in your blazer, in the sun, prefects screaming at you. It's ridiculous. It's like torture. And so we used to duck to the art room. And it's legit because, you know, uh, the teachers are there. And so these two teachers had quite an influence over a smaller group of guys, great guys. So I'm not going anywhere with this, but great guys. And the one teacher in particular, incredibly liberal man, uh, he had lived quite a life, had this philosophy that you try everything once. This, for a teenage boy, became my mantra. And so I onboarded that in a big way. I took it by the horns, and it actually became very much a part of my identity. It also became the voice that I heard whenever I had a decision to make. So you can also imagine the situations you get in during teenage years, and all of a sudden you hear this voice. Try everything once. You can also imagine the roads that that takes you down. And so I took, as I said, I, I don't really do anything sort of half-half, 50-50. I could use another expression, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't do anything really 50-50, if you know that about me. Um, and uh, so I took it and I really incorporated this and replaced this philosophy into my identity from the identity God had given me at the age of 12 or 13. I replaced the values that had been instilled in me during my upbringing. Um, the walls, the safe walls that had been built, I tore down systematically over my teenage years and I literally tried everything once. Not everything, but you know. I don't know if you've seen that movie yesterday on Netflix. Okay, some of you have. So it's just a day where the parents say yes to everything their kids want. And it's actually quite a nice little adventure and they learn some lessons along the way. This was like a yes day on steroids and it lasted pretty much my entire teenage years as well. And so I entered a world of hedonism 
where I was trying to find some sort of meaning in the things of the flesh. Uh, I also entered a world where I was looking for truth and looking for meaning and enlightenment. It became a big thing for me, being enlightened, wearing orange. Um, and so I looked for enlightenment in experiences. Again, my art teacher, one of them was quite a big clubber. Um, and uh, I used to go clubbing at the age of, literally at the age of 14, around there. I've got an older brother who's hiding next door with his kids in kids' church at the moment, so he's not taking any responsibility here. But, but uh, he used to get me into to some places where I should, maybe shouldn't have gone. Um, and so my clubbing and partying years really went throughout, really, most of my, my teenage years. I started drinking at the age of 13. I started smoking um, dope at the age of 13, 14 as well. I know, Dad, you're watching. Um, but uh, it, was, it was really, I was exposed to everything. And it, it was this philosophy, and it's no fault of my art teacher, really. Uh, that's, that's his thing, and he didn't know the Lord. Um, but it really was something I onboarded. I also got into a rock band during the heyday of um, Durban rock. Uh, and so that also became very much a part of my identity. Obviously, you know, it, it feeds everything you want as a teenager. It's sort of you, you, on stage, you know, the ladies are going wild. Um, they did, babe. Um, and <laughs> even for the drummer, even for the drummer, yeah. especially for the drummer, sorry. Um, but it was, you know, it's everything you would want as a teenager, really. And our band, we, you know, we, we were sponsored, sometimes we were sponsored, our gigs were sponsored by SAB, which wasn't helpful, um, having a beer company <laughs> sponsor your event. Um, but also we were, we were uh, entering into talks and, and uh, into contract deals with Universal Music as well. Um, we played at Splashy Fan a few times as well. And it was really an amazing time for me uh, that I know the Lord was using anyway. I also got into Eastern philosophy. Um, I looked into Hinduism and then I really settled on Buddhism for quite a while as well. Um, and really was squeezing the most out of it to try and find this truth that I knew was out there. I also got into witchcraft and paganism. And that is something that I had, have spent many, many years undoing off of me. And the Lord has worked in me as well through that. And so all of this became part of who Lance was. And I had completely, not forgotten, but I had rejected everything the Lord had built me up to be. Everything he had promised me, I had rejected. And it was never enough. I kept searching. And no matter how much the party was going on, no matter how many drugs I consumed, and that escalated quite badly, the more I chased enlightenment and fulfillment, the more it eluded me. And it left me more and more frustrated and incredibly angry. It left me broken, it left me empty, and I didn't find the peace that I needed. And a darkness started to take hold of my soul. I was very alone <laughs> at the time, and I need not have been. I uh, also, during the time, the outward working of my life started to show in my appearance as well, and so uh, because of the sensitivity and the darkness within me, I didn't want anyone to press any buttons, particularly anyone representing God, and so I actually I had piercings all over myself, um, and I'd shaved my head, and I really, I looked angry. Uh, and I know people who knew me back then and who, who know me now. I was a very angry person at the time. And I would look for a fight wherever I was. 
So my outward appearance was really expressing my inward turmoil as well. And so by 19 years old, after quite a journey, most of it being hidden from my parents, or not, <laughs> um, I was on a downward spiral that was going to kill me. And I remember one day I was house-sitting a house, and I had complete rage. I had a, a bit of a breakdown and a serious conversation, shouting match with God, which was a good thing. I swore at him. I blamed him for where I was. I blamed him for how broken I was and how empty I felt. And he took it. But I was hospitalized uh, in what's known as the annex in Interbeni Hospital down in Durban. Uh, it's a rehab center. It's also the psych ward, so I've also got some really, really good stories about that. <laughs> Could write a bit of a book about my experience there. So I spent a few weeks uh, in the annex and just to cool off and not be a danger to myself or anyone else. Uh, and it also allowed me to come clean uh, off of the chemicals that were flowing through my body as well. I remember uh, God possibly sending uh, an old lady, beautiful, humble old lady into the hospital with her Bible. And she would literally come to me on a daily basis and ask if she could read the Bible and pray with me. And I didn't receive her very well. <laughs> I sent her packing. I don't think I swore at her, but it may have happened. Um, but being in the space I was in, uh, this was really, you know, just pride speaking. And, and um, so I sent her packing. But the Lord did one thing. I was studying psychology at the time. Uh, and uh, that was mainly to figure myself out more than anything else, really. I, <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> and um, my psychology lecturer all of a sudden had left, and this new guy appeared. And this guy had something about him. And it turns out he was a Baptist pastor. And so he was my psychology lecturer, and he was the most forgiving, gracious, humble, accepting man. And he took me in. And so he gained access where this lady couldn't to the side of my hospital bed. He had psychology students at university praying for me. He would send them with gifts to come and see me and love me. The Lord knows what he's doing. <laughs> and he sent his messenger to get his boy. I also had a friend of my mother's who saw what was going on. Obviously, it was quite apparent what was happening in my life. Um, and my mom would obviously let her know. She invited me to a course called Christianity Explained. It's like an alpha course. And so I went to this Christianity Explained, no jokes, genuinely because the food smelled really good, because she would take the food. And so she, she, I knew how she cooked. If you know me, that's, that's like a legitimate thing. Like, it's, it's a thing. Like, that's, if the devil's ever going to get me, it's through food. But yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm being accountable here. But um, I went. And there was this amazing man who eventually became a very good friend of mine, an attorney with an amazing mind. I went to this course with pages, I mean it, pages of questions and statements to debunk the Christian faith. I was still very angry, but I could feel God was doing something. By the end of the first evening, the Holy Spirit had completely done a 180 in me. A switch had gone off and I threw everything in the bin. 
And I felt what I felt at 12 years old. And I knew my father had me. Despite everything I had done. John got the unadulterated version. <laughs> we had some time in the cottage. Um, and so John really did. But um, thanks for still being my mate. But, um, <laughs> but it was an amazing thing. And step by step, the Lord stripped me of the onion layers that I had put around myself. Piercing by piercing, he took things out and he restored me. Those walls that had built up, part of my upbringing, the safe walls, he had rebuilt in me. And so I started attending the church. I gave my life to the Lord again. My dad used to take me regularly, even during the bad years. He used to try and get me to church all the time. Um, and he was faithful with that. And, and one night um, at a church in Durban, I stood up and I gave my life to the Lord again. And I remember my father <laughs> and the relief. So parents never underestimate the, the prayer that goes into your kids as well. I'm quite convinced that those prayers are still carrying me today. It was at that church that I got into ministry again uh, and really... Uh, devoted my life to the Lord. We got into youth ministry, hospital ministry, ironically. <laughs> I was that guy, you know, going and asking people to, <laughs> to pray. Um, and I met my dear wife as well. And the Lord restored everything and more. And he gave me this precious gift. I had made many mistakes since then. And so that's what I'm saying. My testimony, it doesn't end there. There's no line, really, other than the line that I started a walk again with Jesus, and I have his mercy at my disposal every morning. So let's get into our verse for this morning. Uh, I know we're pressed for time, but it's John 10, um, and we're going to read from the beginning. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus is describing here uh, to the Pharisees and a few others around um, and he's already in a bit of a hostile situation. He had already healed the blind man on the Sabbath. And um, so he's, you would think he would go into defensive mode. But he goes on to push the boundaries even more. Uh, verse 10, he says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This would have been quite a common or good analogy to use for Jesus. Uh, being a shepherd was a common thing back then. Sheep were a big part of the, the culture. And so he really tried to sort of dumb it down for them, um, but he had to repeat himself anyway. But looking at the text, um, it really is amazing how the black and white is there. You're either in or you're out. You either hear my voice or you don't. You either respond and follow me or you don't. There's also an I am statement in there. And it's one of the I am, the big I am statements from Jesus, where it's 
speaking to his identity and to his divinity. And so he takes the crowd around him, and he doesn't only heal on the Sabbath, but he now claims that he's God. It's quite a bold step for Jesus. Looking back, I just want to read one more verse, and it's verse 3. It says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So I did a bit of digging into this shepherd calling out thing back in the day. And um, we, when we go to the Kruger, my wife's going to hate me for this, but when we go to the Kruger as a family, we've got a, we've, we've got a leopard call. So when we can't find a leopard, you know leopard's like the hardest thing to find in the Kruger, okay? For some, for us, okay? I've got this leopard call, okay? Works. And I roll down the windows, and I give stick, I'm not going to do it, because I promised my wife I wouldn't do it, okay? <laughs> and it works. But seriously, you know, parents, parents, if you stuck, you know, at a party or at a shop or whatever, and you call your kids, your kids know your, your voice, don't they? It's quite, a, it's quite a funny thing. And so shepherds back in the day, they would actually have a specific call for their flock, and their flock would recognize it. And there have been accounts, um, they're the most recent account I could find was just after World War I, where a flock of sheep was literally being stolen by robbers. I mean, it's this, it's this verse in action. A flock of sheep was being stolen. The shepherd woke up and realized what was happening and shouted his call to the sheep, and they turned around and came back to him. It's also a way for the shepherds to sort out who's whose. So they, one would stand over there and call, the other would stand over there and call, and they would literally sort themselves out because they recognize the voice of their shepherd. We live in a time where we hear so many different voices. Social media, we're literally carrying voices around in our pockets, in our bedrooms, in our lounges, in the office. Voices just washing over us the whole time. What's going on in Ukraine has been fascinating me lately, and so it actually distracted me a lot when I was preparing this sermon, but that's another voice. And you've got to be careful with voices because they can, they can breathe life, not good life or death. And so they can breed fear. And I actually had that experience going through, all of a sudden I was on the threat of China and it was this whole fearful thing. And so we've got to be very careful which voices we allow and listen to in our lives. And it should be our great shepherd's voice. And so looking back at my story, there were a few voices. Firstly, there was the voice of my parents, breathing life, establishing foundations. There was the voice of the Spirit of God when I was 12 or 13, breathing life, identity, hope and a future, meaning, purpose. There was the voice of the world in high school. There was the voice of my art teacher resounding in my ears and starting to define who I was. Then there was my own voice that also started to define who I was. And my own voice was saying, I don't need God's truth, I want to find my own. I want to experience good and bad, life and death. Does that sound familiar? That is the original sin. And so we're very quick to judge Adam and Eve. But that's what I was doing. I was trying to discover it on my own. I also had the voice of godly people calling me back on his behalf. And then I had this faint, familiar voice that I would hear. I don't know if you've been following on social media, but there's a singer called Nightbird who's recently passed away and succumbed to cancer. 
And she had written this beautiful, this beautiful, it wasn't a poem, but just this essay about how she met God on the bathroom floor in her lowest point. And I remember meeting God on my bedroom floor in various states of consciousness. I remember being at a club a few times and the music's pumping and the drugs are flowing and you look yourself in the mirror in the bathroom and God meets you there. Still, still small voice. I remember waking up in my hospital room not even knowing who I was, not even knowing my own name or what I was. <laughs> and I remember the only thing I knew was Jesus and him calling me. I discovered something really amazing during that time when I answered the call of Jesus again. And that is by abiding in him, he promises us an abundant life. I would have settled for just life <laughs> at that stage. But he's a good father. He is the good shepherd and he promises us an abundant life. John 15 verse 5 to 6 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Quite a harsh thing, but it's actually a verse of love. And so how do we abide in God? He's given us the scriptures, thankfully, which just reinforce and wash us in his truth on a daily basis. He's given us people, good and bad, I suppose, but he's given us the good ones. He's given us each other in this community, um, believers who love and care for us, who can speak into our lives. He's given us sermons. He's given us prophecies over our lives as well. Um, he's given us personal experiences through his Holy Spirit and that prompting that happens. He's given us sometimes random coincidences that we recognize God's hand in. And he's given us the ability to be quiet and listen for his voice as well in prayer. So to close, there are a few things that we know from this statement and they're to bring us life. The first thing is in verse 9. It says, Jesus is the only door. He says, I am the only door. And so a shepherd used to actually lie across the doorway uh, in the fold. It was only through the shepherd that you could get to the sheep. And so he is our protector. He is the only door. Through him, we will be saved, and through him only, and we will find pasture. Verse 10 says that we will have life and life abundantly, and that he will lead us into pastures um, for our good. He cares for us. He loves us. And it's not only love, a general love, but it's a very, very, very personal, intimate love for who you are. He wants to speak life over us. He wants us to have a new identity in him, his identity. And he was the voice. It was Jesus' voice that spoke the universe into existence. It was Jesus' voice that called the disciples from where they were and change their lives forever as well. And it's Jesus' voice that calls you now and calls me on a daily basis to live for him, to live in his abundance, to live in his life, and just to live. Can we pray? 
Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the amazing grace that you give us. Father, for stories like this of love, Lord, where you breathe life into very, very dark and hopeless places. Lord, thank you for your voice that pierces all darkness, Lord. Thank you for the fact that your love reaches into every shadow, into every corner. And Lord, I pray this morning for those who are possibly submerged in a sea of voices. Lord, I pray that you will clearly speak into them. Father, that they will recognize the voice of their shepherd. Lord, that they will make a stand and that they will act and follow that shepherd. I also pray, Lord, for those who have actively rejected your voice for whatever reason. I just pray, Lord, that you will breathe life into them. Let your spirit guide them. Father, that you, you will lead them like you led me out of the darkest place, Lord, and into your light and your life. And Lord, for those who have never heard your voice, I just pray, Lord, that you will make your presence known to them, Father, that your Holy Spirit will resonate in them. Lord, that you will draw them and their true purpose out their true identity in you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.